You're listening to the Bride Chilla podcast. <laughs> what else does she say? Bride Chillas and Groom Chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time with your host, Alicia McCormack. She's lovely. She's Canadian, if you didn't know. Her name's Carly. I love her. True story. I will announce what we're doing here now. People probably listening to the podcast going, what's happened? Has she lost her music rights? No. <laughs> this is Bride Chill Alive, my very first live show with our friends at Brideside in Chicago. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I've got Sonali and Nicole here who are the founders of Brideside. Uh, it's so lovely to be here. Thank you for just saying yes to this madness. Great to see you again. Thank you so much for being here with us. We've never done anything like this before, and we have an amazing audience of women and men yes. here joining us at the Brideside Babe Cave. So Woo. happy to have you guys here, and we're honored that you're here too. I'm so excited, and I'm just delighted that people showed up. <laughs> Tell me about it. And I like it. You know, I've met, I've done a couple of live, uh, not live shows, but a few meetups. And I do think it's weird when you meet someone that you only listen to. And you probably, you might watch some of my insano Instagram stories and doing things. But I usually get this sort of recoil when people see, when I go, hi, how you going? And they're like, whoa, who's this? Oh, it's her. (laughs) It's the woman behind the voice. (laughs) So, look, today we want to welcome everyone. Not going to draw attention to you coming in late. Um... (laughs) What we thought we'd do today is uh, talk a little bit about what Brideside does and also talk about relationships because that's what really I love to talk about on the Bride Chiller podcast, the aesthetics of wedding planning. Lots of other people do much better than I, but I am really interested in all the interactions, the shit that hits the fan constantly when we are in the stages of wedding planning and really how to maintain relationships and your own sanity. It's my favourite topic. So uh, I wanted to firstly introduce you, you both and how you know each other. Obviously, you run a business together, and uh, that's nice. But you've got a great family. <laughs> that's not all. That's not all. Nicole says, that's not all. Tell me a little bit about your friendship, because I think this is a lovely you know, foundation story for the episode. Go for it. Should I begin? Yes. Yes. So... It was a crisp fall day in oh, she's doing <laughs> September so well for audio. 2010. Um, Sonali and I met in business school, and we were in a section called the Jive Turkeys, and we became fast friends, mostly because she had a, uh, a middle school friend stand up on our first day of business school and announce a last name, her maiden name, that I had no idea how to pronounce, and I was intrigued. Um, Hippo Gonker. Hippo Gonker. Hippo Gonker. But no, we were friends before we were business partners. And uh, Sonali was working on a brilliant idea that um, ultimately became Brideside. Um, But I I think from the very beginning, um, it was much more about wanting to be able to do something creative together rather than necessarily build a business together. Yeah, so... My side of it, Nicole and I sat next to each other orientation, and we were hearing a presentation from somebody who was from Durham, North Carolina, and I heard her give out like a woo, and I also went woo, because <laughs> I, I went to Duke for undergrad, she's from Durham, so that kind of uh, kind of sealed the deal for our very first interaction. I love that a woo, yeah, like this happened because of a woo. I know, and I'm not a woo, woo. I, am, I am not a woo girl. 
But, um, but you felt it that I, day. But I did that day. I, was, I am. <laughs> yes, I felt the woo. Um, and then, yeah, we became fast friends. Nicole um, was, before she was my business partner, she was my, um, my greatest ally and encouraging me to pursue this, uh, to pursue a, my own business, to pursue Brideside. Um, and then sort of one thing led to the next, to the next, and, and we became... Um, from friends to partners. We moved to Philadelphia together for three and a half months Why? to uh, pursue a tech incubator oh. where we literally left our um, partners and families behind and just focused on the business for three and a half months and came out of it saying, like, are we really doing this? We're doing this. Okay. Uh, and then here we are almost five years later um, with a team of over 40 women around the country and locations up and down the East Coast and working with bridal parties to kind of, to your point around the emotional piece, give women peace of mind. I mean, the, the business model has evolved so much more beyond just being a bridesmaid's dress retailer. It's a place where we can remind people about why it is they're getting married and why they're including their best friends to be a part of this. Um, and it's only made easier because we're doing it alongside one another. I love it. You're a cracking team, and it's great. And I love hearing the story about the, the foundations of business. I think lots of people probably realize I, I love talking about other podcasts, and I think one day you guys are going to be on How I Built This. That would be my dream. Great. Let's put it out there. Let's make that out there. It's going to happen. Out there. Power of positive thinking. No, I love listening to your story, and I think it's really, you know, from as a fellow business person, and, you know, it's inspiring. So it's it's really great to have you both here. Now, um, <laughs> 14 bridesmaids are here? I had 14 bridesmaids. This is Sonali confessing even, to having 14 bridesmaids. I don't even know 14 people that I would put in a dress. <laughs> So, I mean, there are plenty of 25-year-olds who do this far more elegantly than I did, but I was 25. That's my excuse. Um, I was the first of my friends to be married, and so therefore I was not going to be the first to say, you're in and you're out. I drew the biggest circle possible. Um, so, yes, I had 14 bridesmaids, and hmm. they were my inspiration for Brideside. Right. Uh, because I would give myself a C-minus on how I was as a bride in the sense that I didn't really know what I was doing. I, I, to your, I had the, the design aesthetic they wore. I had a traditional Indian wedding, mm. um, but I totally screwed up on the emotional components in terms of being mindful of where they were financially, where they were in terms of their personal lives and their relationships and how that made them feel that I was getting married. Mm. Um, and I, I, I messed up big time. Um, and I think what I learned from that experience, having lost friends in the process, um, is that that emotional piece is so important. It's actually almost more important than what they wear. Um, and that's, and that's the, really the, the opportunity that I wanted to, to put forth well, let's, and make better. Well, good. And let's talk a little bit about that because I know, and I actually want to say, and there are gentlemen in the room, that I think often this conversation is just about chicks and it's not necessarily about chicks, except that bridesmaids seem to have evolved into being like, you've got to do this and then I need you to do this and blah, blah, blah. And then the groomsmen, a lot of the times, just go, hey, bro, just want you to turn up and not shave my head. <laughs> oh, my God, we heard a horrible story. I don't know where Rich is right now. I don't, I can't, I'm always in the corner taking photos. That's... Literally, Can I tell the story? in a corner he's, taking Absolutely. Photos. He's squatting down like a true photographer. Um, a friend, yeah, we, look, there's, actually there was a story in the Bride Chiller community and we had a very similar friend story recently about a shaved head groom three days before the wedding. And you're like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> Who are these people that think it's all right to shave a bloke's head three days before he gets married? 
He looked fine, but his head was a different colour to his face because of the summer tan. Anyway, the point is, I think it comes back to women a lot of the time, but I do want to talk a, lot of, a little bit about guys as well because I think a lot of the time groomsmen don't really know what the hell is going on. And actually, secret squirrel that everyone already knows because I talk about it constantly, I'm writing the Maid Chiller Manual. The bridesmaid... Mm-hmm. Because I think this is a problem that comes back to communication and a lot of the times I've been a bridesmaid and I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. No one told me. Ugh. So I think this is a good, good jumping-off point. Let's go... Can we just go back to your mistakes? Because I think things are good. To... <laughs> I think the idea that you you realise that you think, oh, this wasn't handled the best way. You said that perhaps you weren't friends with some of those people anymore. That sucks. Totally sucks. And was that because of the wedding situation? Or did you just fall out of love with friendship? Because there's lots of people I'm not friends with anymore. 100% because of the wedding. Okay, let's go there. Okay. (laughs) I I don't hide the story. I mean... I had um, one very good friend of mine. uh, So I come from a very traditional Indian family. I had 420 people at my wedding, which meant that I invited close to 600. Uh, My father had two tables that were empty at the reception, knowing that people would just bring friends. Like, that's how Indian weddings work. You just kind of, like, show up. Um, and But despite the fact that we had invited 600 people, my parents were not comfortable inviting significant others of my friends if they were not married or engaged. So no boyfriends, no girlfriends. And that's just because in my family, there's no such thing as boyfriends and girlfriends. You date the person you marry. And so in this particular instance, my friend had a boyfriend who was um, new, a new boyfriend, but an important boyfriend to her. And did that boyfriend become her husband? He did. Oof. He I, did. I've been there. Don't and, worry. Um, but at the, mo- at the time, I didn't quite know how to, how to draw the line between being her friend and being empathetic to what she needed and being a daughter to a traditional Indian family, paying for this big wedding and doing what they needed me to do. And instead, I, instead of um, kind of drawing that line and being a friend to her, I had to take, I, I, I took, I didn't have to, I took the position of being the bride of this family and kind of mandated he can't come. Um, and then at the end of the day, she said, then I'm not coming. Mm. And then my parents said, Sonali, that having her there is more important than what we believe, invite him. Oh, that's good of them. So I did. <clears throat> but it didn't, it didn't change the way that our relationship had disintegrated up until that point. Mm. Yeah. And it's been hard. I mean, now we, we're cordial with one another. Um, we see each other and we wish each other well, and I'm, I'm very happy that she's been married to this man. But, um, yeah, things changed. It's very hard because I think we've all probably, everyone here, it, it, I was going to say irregardless, it's not a real word, and Rich reminds me that all the time. Like brought and bought yesterday. Yeah, he's smiling up the back. Regardless of uh, whether you're planning a wedding or not, I think we all go through the seasons of life with friends and I think I've had similar situations. We didn't invite a cousin. uh, Well, we invited the cousin, but his partner, because they kept breaking up. And uh, (laughs) my other cousin, Valinda's here in the corner, uh, not the same cousin. But um, (laughs) look, shit hit the fan. It really did. 
But we were quite firm on the fact that we were going to only invite people to our wedding that we'd met and that, you know, we thought we were going to stay together. Um, uh, it didn't work out that way. They now have two children and sucks to be me. I actually love the litmus test that Nicole used Let's for go. determining who is going to be at her wedding. Share, please, share. Look, everyone's going, share, share, tell us how. Like, wait, like... Right, so I had a very... I come from a less traditional family than Sonali, so I had a very different experience, and I was ultimately, like, very afraid of commitment the whole time, so I didn't want a wedding to begin with. Um, so I actually think groomzillas is an underappreciated Oh, I term. agree. This is great. <laughs> oh, yes. I wanted to elope, but my now husband, so I did it, um, wanted a wedding. Um, so we agreed that we would do a wedding, um, but only if I got to choose pretty much everything. No, I'm just kidding. Um, choose the, <laughs> um, the place where we had it, which was in the mountains, um, a place that I had grown up that was really special to me. That's a hard place to get to, um, but that I felt was the only place I could ever see myself sort of putting in the effort to do something this special. Um, so yes, the guest list was um, probably the highest point of contention with my in-laws. Um, so one thing that my husband and I decided um, to do for our guests was to write handwritten notes to everyone that we would place at their table settings um, the evening of the wedding. And so when we looked through the guest list and we knew we were going to do this, we, our criteria was that we needed to be able to fill a full postcard with memories of that person and why they were meaningful to us. Well, that's good. So when I Stealing got the email, from, so when I got the email from my mother-in-law, oh, it was awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but I think you know. So this was a real thing, and we said, you know, we are cutting off at 120 people, um, and. So I gave her a number, and I said, look, this is really important to me that we keep it small, and that, to your point, everyone that is there is meaningful in your life. And um, I actually think by sort of, like, opening up about why this was important to me and setting, like, pretty clear guidelines from the beginning, it actually made it almost a non-negotiable, and it ended up not escalating into something that became uncomfortable, even though she still talks about it from time to time Oh, good on her. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she's got to have something to talk about, hasn't she? And I think... Continuing on that, we also, I sort of planned my wedding that way. We decided that there were certain things we felt really passionate about owning, and we actually didn't ask other people's opinions about those things. Um, whether it was, you know, the way that we were, my husband's Jewish and I'm not. So designing our ceremony to make it a little bit more abbreviated, a little bit modernized. It was his best friend that married us, so it wasn't super traditional. So. Um, because we got married in the mountains, we had a very non-traditional hoopa that more just looked like a beautiful floral arrangement. And those things, you know, we really didn't want a lot of input on. But then the rehearsal dinner, for example, my mother-in-law was really passionate about, and I did not, I did not comment at all on what she did for that. We worked together on it, but I let it be her thing, um, and she really owned it. And I think it ended up just making the whole experience um, enjoyable along the way, so that we can enjoy planning the process, and it wasn't this overhyped thing that became contentious that's great advice because there are some things you just got to let go just go who cares forget it no one's gonna no one's gonna give a shit and and also like the the fact that you're you know the mother your mother-in-law the mother-in-law that sounds terrible the mother-in-law the fact that she was passionate about helping you with that 
I'm so still weirded out by the rehearsal dinner thing. <laughs> it's existence? Yeah, because uh. in Oz, uh, Belinda, can you please come here? Oh, God. So this is... Has anyone listened to Belinda's episode? She got married in Hawaii. This is Belinda. Welcome. She doesn't know I was going to do this to her. She's my bestie. She's my sister from another mama. Um, But the thing is, so Belinda's Australian. G'day. G'day. (laughs) G'day, everyone. That's how we talk. I actually, I am Australian, but I've lived here for seven years, so I feel like I've got a bit of a hybrid, but... You don't. Um, <laughs> you know, when I go home, some people are like, oh, you sound posh. Oh. <laughs> That's such an Australian thing to say, like it's a compliment. Yeah, it's like, oh, you're rounding your vowels now? Because <laughs> everyone talks like this. Sorry. Anyway, Belinda got married to lovely Luke, wave to Luke. Uh, in Hawaii a couple of years ago. And that was, you did an episode, uh, a couple of episodes on the show, but we talked about m- the mixing of culture but also traditions in Australia. The rehearsal dinner was not something we'd ever really heard of. No, it wasn't. Um, and I was kind of the same. I didn't really feel the need to do it. But also we ended up doing it because we were forcing everyone to come to Hawaii um, it was really bad, all of you like forcing us to go to Hawaii. Well, it's funny you say that because there were some family members that felt forced to go to Hawaii, but that's another story. Um, but yeah, we didn't really want to do it, but because we'll bring everyone there, we thought that we had to make it more of a, you're only coming for a one-day event. So we kind of you know made it this three-day event. But yeah, it was something that was more of a American tradition and that Luke's family, um, again, same thing, like they were paying for it. And so... I just let them own it, you know, because I, I wasn't really interested in it, but I knew that it was important to his family. So I just said, off to the races, you can choose the menu and, you know, take it. So It was a really nice meal. It was really nice. And I'm so glad we did it. It was one of those things that afterwards I was like, why was I, like, questioning this? And, you know, because I've been bridesmaid in American weddings. And, you know, it's always so lovely when you get there. It's just, it's the stigma of, like, oh, I have to do it, and then you start, you know, questioning it, but I'm glad we did it, and thanks to my mother-in-law for paying for it. There's so much energy at the rehearsal dinner. I think people are so excited to yeah. be there that it, it's, it's really exciting. I enjoy rehearsal dinners. I also find it's some of the most intimate moments with your friends and family. Oftentimes, if you either have, like, planned speeches beforehand or you do choose to open up the floor, um, we actually had a lot of speeches at our rehearsal dinner, and I was really nervous about it, and I really didn't want to do it because they can be very boring. I don't know if ours were boring, but I, we heard actually later that people loved those moments because people were prepared. They told really honest stories. Um, Sonali and her husband sing a song at oh, our rehearsal dinner. What did you dinner. sing? Oh, God. Nicole asked me to sing a song I'd actually never heard before. Right, it good. It was uh, a song important to her and Eric by a artist called M. Ward. And I forget the name of the song. Poison Cup. Poison Cup. Um, <laughs> But actually, <laughs> now everybody go back, download Poison Cup. It's not like a... They're going to say like, a little spike in Poison Cup. It's, it's a very lovely song. Um, it, was, it was an honor. It was great. Yeah. I mean, I think... And if people are traveling, too, 
Uh, so I am like a big fan of the experiential wedding and getting people oh, yeah. out. I mean, this is like a big deal, right? And it's a lot of money and getting people in some way out of their element. It doesn't have to be Hawaii or Jackson Hole, mm-hmm. but getting people out of their element in some way and sort of transporting them mm-hmm. into this really like creative, unique experience that's you. And whether that's at like the rehearsal dinner or my wedding was three or four days, I felt like by the end, I really got to experience time with everyone that had traveled there and people got to know each other in a different way. Um, So even though I think the rehearsal dinner is somewhat traditional, it's maybe just another experience that you introduce to your guests. I love it. And I think we, we opened the floor, the Facebook community, and sort of said, what are some alternatives if you don't... I mean, money is obviously a huge huge factor. It becomes like a whole other wedding for some people. And that's why I think we surprised us. We were like, Jesus, that's a lot of money. You just spend a lot of money the next day. But there are alternatives. I mean, you had a, a great cocktail party beforehand, and then there was a smaller group that then got the meal. And I actually went to one, a little suggestion. I don't know if this is common here, but um, I was surprised when a few weeks ago and it was a roasting and we got an invitation inviting us to the roast and I thought it was a roast dinner. Like I had no idea this was a thing. Just a bit of a roast chook and some uh, potatoes. Well, it, it, it like said like you're invited to the roast and I was like, oh, love a roast dinner. And then we got there and then I wasn't prepared to like come out with something funny to say or and they pass the microphone around and it's like funny stories but it was I learned so much about the bride and groom who I thought I knew deeply already because there was other people in the room from different parts of their lives that I just hadn't yet interacted with so yeah recommend the roast thing that's a great idea should the couch now yeah you can leave thank you thank you, you. bye <laughs> a round of applause for Belinda she, yeah, she wasn't expecting to be put in front of the microphone. You did very well. Um, yes, look, I think it's great to embrace new traditions, and that's another big thing in Bridechilla land that we always sort of say. You just, you do you, but also if traditions are important to you. I think someone wrote to me recently, actually left me an iTunes review saying, she doesn't like traditions. Traditions are very important. And I agree, but I think there are ways that if it doesn't resonate with you, you find a way for it to happen in your way or ditch it entirely. Let's talk a little bit about the tradition of the bridesmaid dress because this is your business. It is. And uh, over the past few days, I've been hearing some great stories. Now, part of Brideside, I'm just going to talk to you about your business. (laughs) Awesome. Yes. You have stylists. We do. They're awesome. Who help a lot of people. It's funny because we call them style consultants, mm. and there was a moment where we thought about calling them style therapists. Oh, I like that. Um, because the nature of their relationships with their customers is so intimate mm. that they are often the ones being told about issues that they're having, the bride is having with their bridesmaids or with their mother-in-law or with their friends, um, and vice versa. The bridesmaids would often confide in them about you know issues that they're having, nervous about going to the bachelorette when they are the only friend from high school. Uh, and so it, it was a very intimate relationship, but we decided to make it consultants instead um, for obvious reasons. Sure. I feel like I should be a style therapist. Absolutely. I don't know if I've got the style, but I'll be a therapist. I'll tell you what I think. (laughs) Um, Maria, who I've been... Lovely Maria, who I've been working with. Lovely Maria. Good on you, Maria. She really put this thing together with everyone. Maria said yesterday, um, the style therapist, that's what I'm going to call them now, (laughs) um, 
sometimes are the ones the bridesmaids go, <clears throat> by the way, I'm pregnant. I haven't told anyone. Could you make a dress for me? Could you get me a dress to cover the bump so she won't notice? Mm. That really happens? That really happens. Jesus. We've had to do training on two things. Right. One, how to approach a situation where the bridesmaid tells you she's pregnant and doesn't tell the bride. And two, when the bride decides to no longer have her friend be a bridesmaid. Oh, no. (laughs) And who should communicate that to the bridesmaid first? They need a raise if they have to give them this news. (laughs) So it's true. And I think... But our stylists are amazing in those situations. They listen, they acknowledge, they Mm. provide advice. But I think it's important that (laughs) at the end of the day, this is your friend. Yes. And... I think our stylist will often choose openness and communication first um, as their as their sort of first line of advice because um, no one should be ashamed of that. And you know, I understand things like being early in a pregnancy, but at the end of the day, your friend is there for you. And I I think we often find that times when things do get a little bit like sticky or awkward, it's mm. often because of a communication breakdown, like anything else. And so yes. Try to avoid that situation. The secrets. Well, hopefully the people that you choose to be in your bridal party or don't, if you go solo, that's absolutely cool, are people that you can actually have a conversation with and if they aren't, maybe they aren't the right people for you. 100%. Spoken from experience. It's really hard though. It's hard to say no to people. It, this is not great for podcasting, but I'll, I'll, I'll spell it out. Uh, anyone here, no one will know because no one can see you. Anyone here chosen people in their bridal party, you're like, I don't know necessarily if that was the right decision. Hands up. Yes, one, two, three, four. Come on, be honest. Okay, so there's a couple of people here, and do you think you can just... I'm not going to make you talk because then people might know you, but do you think you can get through this? Yes, she's nodding. She's very good. Do you, yeah, you can speak. Come on, quick, quick, quick. Let's go. Oh, gosh, I love that you want to speak. What's your name? Sarah. Sarah, do your bridesmaids listen to this show? No. Good. (laughs) Let's go. So it's not that they're not good friends. They've been two of my closest friends since high school. But it's just that I asked them a year ago, and we still have a year to go, and we haven't really been keeping much communication. I feel like they're not really interested. And I have another friend who I'm her bridesmaid in, in her wedding next year, and I'm like, damn, I wish I would have not asked them and asked her instead. So can you bump her in? That would put me at seven, and that's just too much for me. Well, Sonali says differently. <laughs> you got half. Do You'll it. Do she it. is going to be an usher. She's definitely going to be involved, but I'm like, I kind of wish you were just dancing. I'll chuck her in a frock. Just do it. <laughs> I'll think about it. We have a year, so there's time. There's plenty of time, and the other two might just fade away into the distance. Yep. That's a possibility. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Good. You know what we learned about is this amazing Southern tradition called a house party. Has anybody learned of a house party? You can literally have, we've, we've dressed multiple parties of 17 plus. Okay. What? And, but it's, it's brilliant because these parties are, (laughs) they're called quote unquote house parties. So they either like follow the same color scheme as you, or you can put them in the same dress, but they don't stand up with you. They're basically there to participate in you getting ready so that you have 
fun while you're doing it and you're not alone. But they don't, you know, process in front of you with the bouquet. They just sit down in the front. They get to feel special. But all of that kind of other prompt and circumstance isn't there. Oh, I sort of had that because we didn't. I just picked three chicks, like my my closies. And then uh, I said, wear a black dress because I just couldn't just do that's was that make me do that noise i was like oh, I, don't my I don't know what to do with them but then they just walked in and then sat down just did their thing that's a really nice idea is everyone comfortable while we're having the short break for edit what's your name lauren. lauren is like rocking at you i love your big smiley face you're looking straight at me lauren gets a free tote bag give this girl a tote bag yeah lauren Oh, I love giving shit away. It makes me so happy. <laughs> I tried on a lot of your dresses yesterday. Uh, I saw that on our Instagram <laughs> at Brideside. <laughs> yeah, go back and look. And actually, what was great, uh, Marie had set me up with a lovely rack. I said, lovely blue. Let's go navy blue. But let's Hues have a look. Hues of blue. Hues of blue. And what was lovely is that we there was a real diversity of styles, fits, sparkles, patterns, textures, run out of words. But it was quite nice because, you know, I'm a not super tall person, don't have huge buzzies, whatever. Um, but, there were, you know, it was nice trying on the different dresses, but we were sort of talking about how you really can mix it up. Body image is a big thing. No, it's really hard because you mentioned before, um, Sonali, that the idea that People are, I mean, in America, I, I didn't really realise about who pays for what. This is a big thing. When I first started this podcast, um, I was talking from my knowledge and understanding, and, and that's usually that in Australia we would pay for our bridesmaids' dresses, and um, your face just, like, dropped. Is this shocking to you? Quickly, who are you? My name's Katrina. Katrina, was that scary? Yes, I have eight. Shit. <laughs> Three are my sisters. Fine, well, they'd pay, whether, you know. But you would. That's that's shocking to you that we would have to then you'd have to pay for eight dresses and your dress. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah, it is. So that's why we have smaller bridal parties in Australia because <laughs> we're tight. Um, but that was really shocking to me because I thought, oh my gosh, there's so much. You know, you put an onus on your friends to purchase a dress at, or an outfit, or boys buying um, suits or pantsuits or tutus or whatever you choose to wear. It, it can become. Like, the pressure of money, I think, is one thing. And I've been a broke bridesmaid before, and it can really suck when you are like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer of this situation, but I don't have the money to pay for it. Or they were like, let's go to to Malibu. And I'm like, I can't even fucking get down the street. (laughs) You know, it's hard because you don't don't want to be the loser, but also you don't want to, like, go into deep financial shit. But then it also comes to body image when... um, you know, you're put in a really tiny little dress or something that you feel inadequate in or whatever. We've all got our things. How do you, talking about your therapists, how do you go around, especially talking to potentially a bride that says, I would like a specific look, and then you talk to the bridesmaids who are like, no fucking way. How do you get around that? Well, before I answer that, that was a long thing. Yeah, go for it. I actually think one of the things that upset me most about the wedding industry before we started the company was hearing stories of groups of women going into a boutique to try on dresses and they didn't have sizes for certain women to fit into. That to me was sad and a lack of celebration for half the women there that couldn't try on dresses and yeah. the other half you know, were 
pinned back. Yep. Um, so I think from the beginning, we made it our mission to be much more equitable in the experience so that women could actually focus on just having a fun time together. Um, so one thing that we addressed immediately was just trying to hold more inventory than maybe was traditional or have a try-at-home program so that you could have that experience privately or in the store, and it was the experience you wanted. Um, in terms of how to talk to a bridal party um, who may have lots of different body types and trying to fit that into a vision, I'll turn that over to Sonali. Great. Well, well first off, I, I want to give our brides that we work with a lot of credit because mm-hmm. I think, especially over the years, as brides this whole process I think the bride has a lot of pressure to like nail it with her bridesmaids they are so incredibly conscientious of their price point of their body shape of um of of of, of many of these considerations that before didn't actually come into our purview when we were starting the business fortunately the trend of having mix and match styles helps a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really nice way of also going back to what Nicole said before about like picking the things you want to be really um, selective about. I select the color, whatever. Burgundy. Good. Good choice. Um, <laughs> I was like, I can't remember any colors. I've got nothing. I was like, I'm blank. Um, so you select burgundy. Yes. That's what the bride chooses to be selective of. Or burgundy in chiffon. Mm. And it has to be long. And that's what she chooses to to select. And then for her bridesmaids, she says, pick whatever you feel beautiful in. And pick at, pick whatever designer you want. I don't care. Um, and th- that kind of lack of visibility and transparency that the bride used to need before, it needs to be this style, in burgundy, this shape, whatever. Now she's like, "What? you know, you'll look great. And they're becoming more and more conscientious of of that experience. And I think that's where our style consultants really step in now is to almost kind of in many ways tell you what you need to hear not what you want to hear and to say hey you have eight girls in your in your bridal party sounds like they are probably aren't that similar to one another right Mm. and then they're like yeah you're right like so why don't we select a color for them and then give them free reign to uh select whatever style they're going to feel great in i bet it's going to look beautiful good and then the bride says you're right we're seeing bridesmaid dresses become much more about just like a really pretty dress for a special occasion than really traditional bridesmaid dress. And it's really hard to dress yourself in that. A lot of women aren't accustomed to dressing themselves um, in formal garments. And the material of bridesmaid dresses um, lacks spandex, and they're, they don't stretch as much. So they're not traditional off the rack. And so it actually really helps to have someone who really understands how each of your measurements fits into maybe a different type of garment than you've ever worn. Or, you know, maybe you are pregnant. You have, you know, your size double D. You got those huge gazungas. You have no idea <laughs> yes. what to do. And I think that's where, like, actually confiding in someone and being like, all right, maybe I'm, like, actually surprisingly a little bit out of my league here. Um, I, that's, a, that's a trend I've noticed probably most significantly out of anything since we started the business. So this is just a fun party. Absolutely it is. It's a big fun party, and we'll all move on with our lives after it. I promise everyone in this room, having done it, how many years ago, Rich? <laughs> By the way, come up here. Bring back Rich. Bring back Rich. Come on. Bring back Rich. He fucking hates it. Bring back Rich. Again, if you're new to this podcast, well, welcome. Um, this is my husband, Richard. G'day. Um, the reluctant podcast guest. He really is. But I make him come back over and over again. 
It's good up here for photos on the couch, actually. Oh, great. Well, make yourself at home. You're sitting on my clothes. Uh, <laughs> bit of a quick question. You've been a groomsman in quite a few weddings. I think the suit actually is something that people underestimate how badly suits can fit men when they're like, oh, just get it the day before. We went to uh, one wedding, and I can't remember what he paid for the suit, but it was horrific. It, it was so, so bad, and it fitted, him, it fitted him so terribly. It wasn't a very good wedding, that, like, not just because of the suit. I think I've talked about this wedding quite a lot on the podcast. <laughs> God, I'd be horrified if they... They're never going to listen. They've got, like, three kids. They've moved on. They are not listening to this podcast. It was, it was a bad suit. But, no, I do think people underestimate how, um, you know, like, cheap suits, bad fitting, testicle separations, that sort of stuff... <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah, just look good. Just get a nice suit. Thank you. Everyone needs a nice suit. That was Richard, everyone. Uh, everyone needs a nice suit. <laughs> Put that on a Twitter quote. Um, now, look, we are going to wind this up soon, but I want to do a quick Q&A. Okay, this is an anonymous. What do you do when one of your bridesmaids doesn't get along with the others? <gasps> there was, like, gasps in the audience. <gasps> Can I say, it's a really weird situation, bridesmaids, and you, again, having 14 of them, clearly I'm going to make a bit of a judgment here. They might not have all known each other as well as they knew you. Right. I call it a George Costanza world's collide. (laughs) It's a 20-year-old reference from Seinfeld, which I will never let go of. But the idea, you know it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we're in America. Everyone knows it. In Britain, they're like, what? They never watch Seinfeld in England. Imagine living your life without watching Seinfeld. What a fucking miserable life. (laughs) Seriously. George Costanza World Collide. That's bringing different facets of your life together that may not necessarily be properly good together. And that's what you're doing with your bridal party. You're trying to say, hey, we all like this one person for different reasons. We know each other in different parts of our lives. Come together and have a good time. And it makes people mental. So I'll, I'll never forget this. One of my best friends, Katie, gave the toast at one of the um, dinners at my bachelorette party. And she said, who Sonali is, is a reflection of all the women sitting around this table. Oh, that's nice. It was deep. And I use that now anytime I'm at a bachelorette party. I insist yep. on making a toast. Yep. I've, got, I've got something very original. <laughs> but she said that. She said that. I wish she had said it day one. She said it day two. We were in Miami. And um, it was like literally the comment, I think, that took that kind of edge off of everyone's shoulders. Yeah. For a minute to just going back to that moment where you remind everybody about why you're here mm. and it for a second I think made first off made everyone feel special and everyone feel important and I love that it made that day not about me but it made that day about the people who I surround myself with and that's I think ultimately what now I think as a bride or even as a friend I think is my responsibility yep. to let people know that like you don't know this person but I am who I am because of her and um yeah you should get along she should come and host a podcast. She sounds great. She's awesome. Uh, great answer. We're five weeks out and just got a rush of people RSVPing no, which frees up some more room to invite friends we couldn't fit before. This is good. Is it rude to informally invite people on such short notice? Any advice for how to approach this? Thanks. Lauren, P.S. You rock! <laughs> it's Lauren! <laughs> 
you got your tote bag, you do rock too. Lauren, this is a good question. That is such a good question. This is where I say fuck tradition. Yes. Because actually, one of the biggest regrets... Well, for those of you who might be married here, sort of experience this, have you experienced sort of like a year later people who are at your wedding, you're like, I never talked to that person. Oh, yes. It's really sad. It's sort of like your question around the bridesmaids. I say if you're paying for the venue and you're paying for the meals and there are new people that are important in your life, totally invite them. I also think we're adults and no one's offended that they weren't invited the first time, right? Totally. I think if people, I mean, I think it's, I always sort of say A and B list and I know that's something that can be challenging if you've got out of town and you're asking people to travel, blah, 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 blah. But if, you are, if you've got the position to, to, do, to do it, I know if I was on that list, I'd be stoked and going, great, I am ready to roll. I've got my frock ready. Where am I going to be? I genuinely do. I think I totally agree. I think it's one of those things people are never going to say no to it. And if you're offended, then you maybe you're not the right person to be on the list. That's a good point. Totes my goats. Um, what was is... Oh, this is a good one for both of you. I'll also chime in. Uh, what was is your favourite wedding memory, yours or otherwise? <laughs> I'll go first. My favourite memory, wedding memory from our wedding, was we had a really amazing DJ who's been on the show, Andrew McClellan. If you're in Australia listening, oh, hire him. He's in Melbourne. He's amazing. But um, I just remember taking my... Uh, what I thought were going to be comfortable shoes didn't actually be that comfortable. Shoes off, I was barefoot and dancing and sweating and moving. And Richard bought me a beautiful bangle on our wedding day. And I remember it hit my wrist, my my hand so much. By the next day, I had this huge black bruise on it. But I was like... Shit, yeah, I danced so hard, I was bruised. (laughs) It's a beautiful bracelet. (laughs) So I I have one memory from the actual ceremony. Um, So in... in, um, Yours is a really nice... I should have said marrying my husband. So so one is like my... um, (laughs) No, so in in Hindu ceremonies, going back to like days of old when when couples were... um, essentially like betrothed and arranged and you met your spouse on mm. the day of the wedding, um, what you do is there's kind of like a big white sheet that's put up between the bride and the groom. And you essentially make all of your vows before you see one another. Right. Because ultimately what Indians believe is it's a marriage of families, not necessarily of just the couple. Okay. So I'll never forget that moment where we kind of made our vows to one another and then they've removed the sheet and then you see your spouse for the first time. So that's traditionally how it used to be. So that's like, a very memorable... It's like a traditional first look. It is, a traditional first look. Um, after you've already agreed to commit to one another. Sure. Um, but my actually, truly, like, I'll never forget this and there's so many great moments, but when my friends from high school took me, like, made me leave the rehearsal dinner and go to the bridal suite to go to bed early... We spent, like, literally no more than half an hour together before I had to go to sleep. But I'll never forget that half an hour with the women who I've known since I was, like, six years old. And just, like, reminiscing about the fact that I was getting married the next day. Mm. It was so special and so random. And I remember they thought it was hilarious to talk to me about what it was going to be like to lose my virginity the next day. <laughs> it was the most awkward conversation, but it oh, was bless. so funny. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was just like that little, like, there's there's so many cool micro moments that it's really hard to pick just one, but um, it's the little moments you should remember. Totally. I agree. You set a high bar. Um, I think I have (laughs) two, because one includes you. (laughs) I I, agree. Totally so many moments. And again, like, my wedding was so many days. The day before... 
our ceremony. Um, my husband hosted a fly fishing trip, and I hosted a hike um, up the, the, ski, the ski mountain that I learned to ski on. And all of my friends came. We all took the chairlift up and all hiked down. And it was so wonderful. It was so peaceful. It wasn't stressful. I was in, like, you know, my wifey tank and little short shorts. And it was not um, a big thing. But I remember just feeling so, like, empowered and peaceful in that moment, being in the mountains. And, like, I got this. But during on the wedding day, um, my husband is a twin. And his... You didn't marry the wrong twin, did you? <laughs> Well, no, I married the right one. Oh, good. I think. We'll see. TBD. It's a long con. I'm worried. So Sonali gave an amazing speech at my wedding, actually. And my husband's brother um, also gave an incredible speech. And I remember him. And to this day, people tell me it was the best speech they've heard at a wedding, hands down. Like, wow. like the speech, the delivery, like the, the tone that he gave it in. Oh, my God. It was amazing. To this day, the best. Wow. The best. And I learned so much about my husband during that speech. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> but also about from my, my, his brother is a very soft-spoken person generally. I could not even imagine what he would be like public speaking, but he's like fucking amazing and brilliant. And um, learned through his eyes like what I had meant to Eric and what kind of pers- person he was around me. And I had no idea. And I was, like, on this journey with him through this speech, like, learning all of these new things about the man I just married. And it was really amazing. I felt so close to my new brother-in-law as well. I was, like, this is – I was, like, proud and felt close to him and realized all of these, like, moments that he had noticed about us. And it was really, it was really special for me. Um, that was a great answer. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Oh, you guys. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> And then at the 11th hour, at four, no, that was like at midnight. Midnight. Sonali and I, I changed out of my wedding dress, and she put on overalls, and I put on a new outfit, and we wore matching white pleather high tops, bedazzled in gold, and came running through the barn door at my wedding. To Alicia Keys. Keys. I just got, like, things on my arms. (laughs) It was really fun. Oh, my God. (laughs) I told you these guys were a good crew. Are you with me? They're a good crew. Yes. Oh. Oh. It was also to the one-hour, uninterrupted 90s hip-hop hour. Good. Every wedding needs that. Every wedding needs that. Yeah, we're just pointing at everyone in the room going, you, get, you work that playlist. Final questions. Uh, what is your best advice about inviting out-of-town guests that you were told will not show up? Quick, just come towards the microphone. I'm Cole. Cole. And I have a lot of family who are much older than I am. I'm the youngest of all my cousins. My mom is the youngest of sisters. All of my eldest cousins are most likely not going to come. And especially because because of our venue side size, we can't let their kids come. Oh, screw them. <laughs> but we're... But, their kids are so sweet. We just saw them at my grandmother's funeral this year, and it's, we love them. But we can't invite them. But we still want to send the invites to my cousins and their spouses, and we know that they're not going to come. <laughs> I think it's fine to send them a little invitation. Okay. As long as you're prepared, if they do turn around and go, oh, by the way, we're coming, it's okay. Oh, yeah, definitely. There you go. You, you did a good answer of your own question. I liked it. Sweet. Thanks, Cole. Thank you. Thanks for being a great bloke in the audience. 
My pleasure. Woo-hoo-hoo! Um, oh, I just kicked a balloon like I was at a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. No by the way, can... this is by far the most men we have ever had in any brideside space, ever. Welcome, testosterone. Lay your seeds and more will come. Has everyone had a nice time? Has this been weird? Has it been great? How do you feel? I think it's been a successful evening. I always love the opportunity to reflect and to hang out with Nicole and... It, it's been, we have a great time. Thank you. Oh, I'm, I'm delighted. Thank you all for coming along, being a part of this, listening to the show, being chillers. Is everyone a member of the Bride Chiller community, the Facebook page? I said that so quickly. Yeah, good. It's a great place. It's a good place to be. It's hard running a Facebook community. I've learned so many things about people. <laughs> Um, no, it's a really great place, and it's a great place. It's a great place. It's a great place. I say it like I'm, li- I'm a liar, but it, it's a great place. Um, uh, thank you so much for housing us, for supporting Bride Chiller and partnering today. Brideside is a fantastic business. As I said, I'm just really looking forward to hearing you on that podcast, talking well, your story. Well, thank you for, for allowing us to be here and to share our story. Most importantly, our mission, which aligns so closely to you around... It does giving women peace of mind and, and the occasion to celebrate, reminding everybody that it's really about the celebration, that we're here to like take you on the journey, and the mm. dress is kind of a souvenir that you get at the end. Um, so, yeah, thanks for doing what you do and helping. You're so authentic. Oh, pledge. <laughs> Thank I you. Was, people are like, oh, you really like this. I'm like, who had the energy to put this on? Fucking, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be exhausting. <laughs> I'm going to go home and have a big sleep. Um, Nicole, you're wearing one of my new T-shirts. Fuck, perfect. <laughs> um, I've got a whole new range. Can't see it on the podcast, but it's a pink fuck perfect tote. And also, this is my favourite inclusion. Because of all this sweating for the wedding shit, I thought I'd do my own workout top, and it's a fuck perfect workout top. So you can all wear it to the gym and just go, I'm just doing my best fuck perfect, bitches. Anyway, so they're going to be coming out soon. We're excited about A round of applause to all of you. Thank you so much for all your support, for coming here. This has, like, floated my boat so incredibly. So thank you very much. And how do we end the show, everyone? Happy days! Woo-hoo! The Bride Chilla Podcast, empowering you to kick wedding planning ass every day. 